What's going on, folks? Welcome to the 4th and 16 podcast. I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. Hopefully you all are feeling a little bit better now. I know if you're a Clemson fan, you've had a very turbulent, very whimsical, very sad feeling 36 hours or so. Of course, our Clemson Tigers were defeated by the LSU Tigers in the national championship game, 42-25, a game that felt like the narrative was written before the game was ever even started, almost like the whole season was scripted. It's crazy, fairy tale, magical type stuff, but nevertheless, the better team won that night. And it's so tough to say that because it's hard to say that about Clemson programs. You, you, you very rarely see a team that's better coached uh, better player personnel than Clemson Tigers over this past few five years. Uh, but again, you got to tip your hat to the LSU Tigers. Uh, they really wanted it, and they came out and took it. That's just the bottom line. We're going to be talking about this game, uh, some things I thought about that, some things about the season in general. We're going to recap the entire season. Uh, and I'm also going to get you guys up to speed some things that we're going to be doing with 4th and 16 in 2020, some new details about how it's going to go down. Of course, this is the last episode uh, until I roll out those things. I'm hoping I can do that by mid-February, I think. If not, we're going to be starting in March. I know that's a little long, uh, but I want to make sure we start getting these things ramped up for spring practice. But for this episode, I want to stay focused on solely this game and then on the other part of it being solely the 2019 season. I don't want to talk about 18. I don't want to talk about 2020 and what that might bring. I want to talk about specifically what we saw with our Tigers uh, this past season. Of course, I want to thank each and every one of you for your support of 4th and 16. It's been a long ride. We're coming up on a one-year anniversary of the podcast. Uh, it may have passed. I'm not exactly sure. I can't remember. <laughs> but thank you so much for all of you who's been with me from the beginning. Heartfelt uh, thanks. I appreciate you and your support. Uh, I say this every time, and I know it seems cheesy and hokey because I do it every time, but I want you guys to understand that I would not be here without you. I love having conversation with you guys, uh, even the people that I work with. Shout out to those of you who are listening. You know who you are. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having conversation with me and believing in me and listening to what I have to say. I feel like I have a pretty decent grasp on this thing, and I'm just trying to learn and grow and share these things with you guys uh, get you guys more involved. That's part of the new stuff that's happening. But without further ado, let's go ahead and talk about this game. Of course, again, the Clemson Tigers lost 42-25 in the national championship. And folks, honestly, it was exactly what everyone said it was going to be. As hard as it is to imagine that, you know, I myself uh, came out with a prediction on my last episode. I'm not going to take it down or anything. I'm going to own it. I said Clemson was going to win 37-28. Of course, that was egregiously wrong. It was actually closer to the other side being that way. Uh, but this game was, again, it felt like the narrative was written before. You're talking about a fairy tale circumstance. I talked about that in the previous episode, some factors that I look at to pick a winner, and I can pretty much just throw that completely out of the door for this game. Because most times, you know, in college football, college football is just random. It's chaotic. I know you guys remember a couple of years ago, 2016, with all the teams lost in the top five, and then everybody got reshuffled. Clemson lost that night to Pittsburgh, and then you turn it around, and Clemson gets right back in it because other teams behind them lose. Clemson goes on to win the national championship. There's no reason why Clemson should lose to Syracuse and make it to the playoffs. There's no reason why Clemson should lose to Pitt in a year that they weren't that competitive uh, and win the national championship over a team like Alabama. So again, 
lots of random chaos, but for this game, it was status quo. It is exactly as it was said it was going to be. I talked about how I had talked to so many people about this game. I'm talking fans from other fan bases, people who are included in, in Vegas. I've had conversations with LSU fans. I've had conversations with Clemson fans, and everybody felt uh, like it was going to be LSU. You know, a lot of Clemson fans, I talked about this on Twitter as well, Clemson fans just felt like this leery, unnerving feeling in this game. Uh, and it felt like every single LSU fan was confident. They knew that they were going to win this game. In fact, you hear Joe Burrow, the team, talk about how they already had their ring sizes ready. They had everything ready. They knew they were going to win the game. At no point did they feel like they were going to lose. Uh, it's a far cry from what I thought would happen at exactly. Uh, I thought the first, I actually came out and said that, you know, I thought the first quarter, both teams would fill each other out, surprise each other defensively. Uh, and no team would score more than seven before mid second quarter fireworks starting to happen. Now I didn't mention specifically which team would have the fireworks going off, but of course, conventional wisdom would lead you to believe that the team that has been the most dominant offense all year would be that team. Well, I decided to buck the trend. Why? Part of that is orange-colored glasses. I understand that. The other part is because what I've seen all season from LSU, there was no reason why I felt like Clemson uh, would come into this game and be or feel inferior to LSU. I think the things that Clemson were able to accomplish this season uh, matched that with the consistency of the program over the last decade, combined with LSU kind of feeling like they were a flash in a pan, uh, you know, I thought Clemson would come in and hold their own. For the most part, they did. They actually got up very early, 17-7. Uh, but after that, again, it was just a tale of two halves. Now, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some things in the game that I think are important to talk about. First and foremost, Clemson's defense, hats off to Brent Venables, came out with a game plan that worked. Um, you know, I think the game plan worked. He did a lot of the things that... Uh, other teams did, but he expanded on that a little bit. Of course, he came out in two different sets. He came out in 3-1-7, which is what we saw uh, against uh, LSU by Auburn. He also went to a 3-3-5 stack. So he changed it up a little bit. He also put some players in unconventional areas. Uh, and a lot of those things confused LSU. They were trying to figure out who to identify as the Mike and who were the linebacker types. Now, what did that mean? Uh, linebacker types, basically, when you're looking for the mic, is anybody that's inside uh, the second level. doesn't matter what you are. If you're inside and you could be considered a linebacker type on the play, you are going to be part of the alignment for the pass protection. That's all important to the quarterback. Joe Burrow didn't know because they were putting players in different spots that he's never seen before. We've seen Tanner Muse line up at corner. We saw Isaiah Simmons line up at corner. We saw Kayvon Wallace come up and be a linebacker type, also blitz. We had Jamie Skalski roaming the middle, uh, being able to poke his head in at certain times and create havoc early on. A lot of this was predicated by uh, excellent punting in the first half by Will Spires. Uh, I can't say anything bad about his game, this game. It's, and this is crazy because Will Spires has a knack for doing this. In, in the championship games, in the playoff games, he actually punts pretty well. It's throughout the season where we have so many gripes about his performance. But he actually came out and did exactly what we needed him to do. And he, that was pin LSU very deep in their own territory. I think that played a 
huge difference uh, in the Clemson defense being able to, you know, dictate a little bit of what's going on because LSU was not able to, you know, run the middle of the field. They weren't in the red zone, so they had to worry about the entire field. Uh, that got to uh, Joe Burrow early on. Um, the offense initially came out, uh, did some things pretty well, but I still think there were room for improvement even on the scoring drives. Uh, you look at the very first drive, uh, the long pass uh, that was you know given up uh, because LSU jumped off sides, neutral zone infraction, uh, free play, Trevor Lawrence threw it up, it was caught, uh, but the, there was extra yards added on to it uh, because you know that's just kind of how that worked. Uh, so Clemson was able to move the ball, but I still feel like Clemson had some issues in the game where they weren't really doing things that they needed to, most namely not running the ball and using the tight ends, uh, especially the tight ends and running backs. For sure, uh, we know for one, Travis Etienne was running his butt off early in the game. He's averaging about six and a half yards carry. Uh, he was one of the reasons why Clemson was able to hold on to the ball and con you know construct a drive. Um, also, you had a huge catch and run by Braden Galloway, a guy who we've all been waiting for uh, to get some action. Of course, he had that one-year suspension. Uh, he came into this game, and we were super excited about that, and specifically me, because I've seen other tight ends uh, go up against uh, this LSU defense and have some success, most namely Kyle Pitts, a very similar type guy to Braden Galloway for Florida. Uh, he pretty much carved them up. Uh, after a certain while, they completely forgot about the tight end as a threat in the passing game, and Trevor uh, was basically taking over, throwing the ball down the field all the time. Travis Etienne was forgotten about as well. So uh, some things like that. But again, I still think the offense early on was moving the ball, but still had some inefficiencies at certain places. There's a couple of times where our offensive line were whiffing or getting knocked on their butt, which is understandably so. LSU's defensive line is actually pretty for formidable. I wouldn't say it's better than Ohio State's. I'd actually say it's a little bit of a step down. But the way they were able to actually you know, attack Clemson, especially with their secondary, especially with the way their linebackers were putting in pressure, uh, you know, there were certain things that they were doing, twists and stunts, that were actually affecting Trevor Lawrence's timing. If you look at a guy like Kelavon Chason, uh, he's actually an outside linebacker, but they use him as a buck end, pretty much stand-up rush end. There was a couple of throws that Trevor had uh, in this game that were rushed because he was in his face, and that resulted in a very inaccurate pass. Now, Trevor Lawrence had the worst game that I've ever had uh, a quarterback at Clemson have in recent history. Uh, I know that a lot of that had to do with other um, the other factors, and we'll talk about that too, but it's just a very, very poor showing. I think um, it was one of those reasons why Clemson's offense kept stalling. Some of that was the play calling. Some of that was Trevor Lawrence's inefficiency, but some of that was the other aspects, and we're going to talk about them right now. Most notably, the lack of physicality from our wide receivers. I think that was the largest difference between uh, LSU's receivers and Clemson's receivers. We lacked physicality. Clemson's receivers are excellent at running 50-50s. You know, most would say before the season they were considered 80-20s. But we have not had that box-out type guy, basketball, thick body like Mike Williams in a while. Now, I'm not saying that this is an issue. Clemson's offensive receivers are able to go up and snag crazy catches. We've seen them be highlight reels, especially last season, which is what put Clemson on the map even more to a lot of people, specifically with Justin Ross and T. Higgins. Uh, this season, not so much. Of course, T. Higgins was on a streak there later in the end of the year, 
he started catching a lot of passes and embarrassing guys. But when he started playing the more physical, more NFL-ready corners and Jeffrey Okuda, uh, Christian Fulton for the most part, we completely stayed away from Derek Stingley Jr., a true freshman that All-American decided to have him first string uh, it just didn't look the same. These guys, I'm not saying were shut down, but they did not have nearly the amount of effectiveness that we like to have. Also noticeably missing was the presence of a slot receiver. Uh, Amari Rogers is still really good, Clemson. <laughs> we, we really should start looking into using him a little bit more. I think that Clemson's offense gets a little bit handicapped because of situations. Now, of course, situational football will make certain things happen. You have to do certain things because that's just the way of football. You want to start managing the game. I feel like, honestly, in this game, uh, not only did Trevor get in his head a little bit, actually a lot of bit, that's very uncharacteristically bad game for Trevor, uh, I think that it was also an uncharacteristically bad uh, game call by Tony Elliott. I just don't feel like he was in the zone. I feel like he was very uncomfortable, but I also feel like he pressed just as much as Trevor Lawrence did. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. First and foremost, Trevor Lawrence has been listening and hearing about Joe Burrow all week. It was all about Joe Burrow and all the pressers. What do you think about Joe Burrow? How do you feel about them? How do you think he stack up? What, all these things on the media was about Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence. Who you taking? I talked about this at length. I do not like that. I did not think it was good for the sport, but I understand why they do it. Uh, you know, it's an apples to orange type thing, but you had to hear it. Uh, before the season even started, Trevor Lawrence, was, you know, he was made out to be the best quarterback anybody has ever seen in college football ever. Uh, no one has ever had any kind of gifts or talented, uh, as talented as Trevor Lawrence has, is, and will ever be. Uh, you know, he was number one for the Heisman on the number one winning team that just, just embarrassed Alabama. And, you know, it was one of those deals where maybe he got in his head a little bit. He admitted that this is true. He pressed it a little bit early on. The interception started to rack up, and people completely forgot about Trevor Lawrence. Now, this is before Joe Burrow actually got all the notifications of how good he was. I don't think that Joe Burrow truly uh, made a name for himself until mm, right before the Alabama game. I think right before the Alabama game and then the Alabama game is when people put him on notice. He was having this career historic season, uh, and he went on. Because, I mean, to, be, to tell you the truth, I don't think anyone thought anything different of Joe Burrow having a ton of yards passing and just being very successful in winning uh, down in Derrick K. Warrior Stadium against the Texas Longhorns. I think everyone thought, hey, well, that's just it is what it is. When he did what he did against Alabama and then Florida and then Georgia and then Auburn and now our Clemson Tigers, it's just one of those things where – it was his season. It was the entire state of Louisiana's season. Like I said, it felt like the narrative was written before the season even started. How is it that LSU was looked at as pretty much a outlier for the playoffs? Of course, this was looked at as maybe their best team in a while. Their, their smallest window uh, to getting uh, success was now. They had their best team as far as the archetype, the makeup of the team, as far as upperclassmen and the coaching and different things like that this was their best window. But I don't think anyone thought that they were going to do it this way. Not only that, but the national championship is 81 miles away from your campus. It's beautiful, folks. It's like a movie. It's like, 
it was written by Nicholas Sparks or something. Some love story at the end. Joe Burrow finds his wife. He's smoking a cigar in this in the locker room after the game, and all is well, right? You know, but you know, I'm not one that buys into a lot of superstition. That's just not me. But I will say this: listening to Dabo all week in his pressers and the way he's you know, kind of talking like, you know, well, we got a lot of things we got to look forward to, and this is going to be tough. And, you know, I just sensed that Dabo understood what he was up against. I've heard this before. This is 2015 where everybody was super excited. Let's go back for a little bit of a trip in the past. I know I said I didn't want to do that, but it's pertinent to the story. Go back to 2015 when we are just getting our shot to get in the playoffs. Um, You know, you've got – all these people super like super excited for the opportunity. We're having a pizza party. Oh man, this is crazy. Um, you know, it felt like you know Dabo was like, "Well, I'm confident. We're here. Let's get it over with." We get there, we lose the game, but we play well so much so that everybody's like, "Wow, Clemson's much better than we thought. They are legitimately 14 and one. They're not just one of those teams that played a bunch of nobodies." First and foremost, it was tough getting through North Carolina in the play in the conference championship game. So everyone knew that this this team had some adversity. But Dabo after the game said, "You know, I just feel like we were just a year away." He said that. He said, I, I just feel like we were a year away anyway. This is a young team. We're going to grow from this, uh, and we're going to have some success in the future. What did he do the next season? Won a national championship over the same Alabama team. Actually, an Alabama defense that was looked at as the best Alabama defense they've ever had. I mean, that defense was ridiculous. They were scoring more points than the offense was. So it was ridiculous, uh, but Clemson found a way, and he was confident. Fast forward to 2017, you're making some changes. You've got a new quarterback. Sean Watson's gone. You know, you've got Mike Williams gone. You've got a lot of different things going on. Enter Travis Etienne. Enter all these T. Higgins, all these other people. And Deion Kane is supposed to be coming back, and now he's the lead guy. Ray Ray McLeod. you got all these things happening. And you make it through the season, except you have one hiccup. You lose at Syracuse. Then people started throwing up red flags of what is this team? How good are they? All right. Well, you get to the playoffs and you get embarrassed by an Alabama team who was just more focused. Ironically, you lose by 17 points uh, in, in this same game, in the same building. You lose by 17 points the last time you lost in 29 games. OK, but Dabo says, you know, maybe, you know, we, we just, you know, we got some things to work on, you know, but, you know, next year I, I'm very confident. What happens? We go out and destroy everyone, everyone, except Syracuse again, which I'm so happy that that era of football is over. We don't have to deal with that anymore. Eric Dungy was a nightmare. Uh, Hats off to that kid. But, uh, you know, Syracuse is an afterthought now, honestly. But, um, you know, it was just one of those things where it was a magical season. You had a true freshman take over. Uh, now he's looking like the best quarterback ever. Of course, that's what, what leads us to the point we're at now. Uh, and you know, you go out and you beat the team that everyone said was the best ever. Now it was the Alabama team led by Tua, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith. He had all these guys, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris. He had all these players on defense. He had a talented Patrick Sertan, uh, Shane Carter. You had all these players and Clemson goes out and destroys them. And people thought it was just a fluke because Clemson went through this season undefeated. And everybody's like, ah, you play in the ACC. It doesn't really matter. You don't really play anyone. 
Uh, you play in the ACC. You didn't get tested. You almost lost to Syracuse. I mean, you, you're not that good. Well, Clemson goes on and beats Notre Dame. Like, they stole something. Well, everybody goes, Notre Dame's actually not that good. It is what it is. You go and you beat Alabama, and now, now you have everyone talking about how you're the elite program in the country. All of that led us to where we are today. Clemson ends up being the number one ranked team in the country to start the season. Again, you have this prodigy quarterback, something we've never seen before. You get all the way through your season. You have one hiccup that you do not lose. But everybody sees this as a bad game. It's a one-point game against a North Carolina team. You get to the playoffs. We see game one, LSU destroying Oklahoma. It wasn't even close. We get through Ohio State. It was a struggle. We're just happy to be there. Dabo's not as confident, in my opinion. He just didn't seem as confident. And for, for good reason. Now we all see it. LSU was pretty much unstoppable this season. Admit it. But see, that's the difference between Clemson fans. I don't think we have a problem admitting it. If the shoe was on the other foot, I think other people would complain and say, oh, I don't know, this and that, this and that. This is another reason why I want to refrain from all the referee talk. We know that all the refereeing is a systemic problem from all levels of football, from high school all the way up to the pros. We know that the refing stinks out loud. It's terrible. We know this. But the refs don't single-handedly change the game for you. You have plenty of opportunities. This is why I said that about Ohio State fans. This is why I hope that no Clemson fans are actually out there campaigning about all the penalties. We had opportunities. We squandered every single one of them. So don't worry about that, folks. It is what it is. I'm particularly upset about the game call. I think that the way the play calling went in this game was dictated by being shell-shocked. I talked about how uh, Trevor Lawrence was hearing all about Joe Burrow during the week. Well, when Joe Burrow got hot, he was red hot, and he had been red hot all season. He was the Heisman Trophy winner. He was setting records left and right. Now he shattered them <laughs> after this game, but he, you know, he was the quarterback of the year. Quarterback of the century, honestly, statistic-wise. And Trevor Lawrence wanted to show, hey, you know, don't forget about me. I even said that in my show last. I talked about how I compare teams. Uh, you know, I, I said that Trevor Lawrence is on equal level, just different. Well, that was not the case tonight. If we're talking about this game in a vacuum, it wasn't even close. No competition. But I don't feel like Trevor was the only one that felt that pressure. I feel like Tony Elliott felt that too. I felt like once Joe Brady and Steve Innsminger got into a rhythm, got into a groove with play calling, I feel like Tony felt like he needed to match that, which it was very important. He actually did need to match it. You can't play with LSU unless you can match their score totals. I mean, if, you're, if they score, you have to score. I felt like he got a little bit pigeonholed into doing certain things, and that's one of the things I want to talk about Clemson going forward. I, I, I would really like it if Clemson's receivers got a little bit more physical. I'm not calling them out. I'm just saying there's a clear difference between some of the other receivers in the country and also our receivers talking about going pro. Because you have to be physical in the pros. You have to. The corners are bigger and stronger and faster. I want to see Clemson 
develop the playbook. Tony Elliott, of course, Jeff Scott's now going on to be the head coach at USF, and I wish him nothing but the best. Awesome. Super excited about that. But now you're bringing in Brandon Streeter as the passing game coordinator, and you have Tony Elliott as the sole play caller. Tony Elliott has been calling plays since the 2015 season. Well, technically 2014 Russell Athletic Bowl against Oklahoma. That's when it really started. In five years, I don't know exactly how much this offense has evolved. I know the players and personnel has changed things certain ways, but I'm not exactly sure this offense has evolved. It's the rare occurrence that I could say Clemson's offense looked a little bit archaic, comparatively speaking, to the opponent. And no, again, LSU does not run an air raid. It is a modified West Coast. They are a vertical passing team. We saw that in full display in the flesh this Monday night. The important thing is that this offense needs to evolve. Again, most notably, the tight ends really need to be a part of the game. Otherwise, they just need to be glorified offensive linemen. Give them the numbers between 50 and 79 and say, good out there and block. And I understand, folks, schematically, it makes sense why you do it. If someone's bringing seven in the box, you only have five offensive linemen. That's two more guys to block. So you need your running back and you need a tight end to help protect your quarterback. But there's other teams that get away with having a passing tight end. Hey, you need an example? Thaddeus Moss, LSU. You can get it done. In fact, this Clemson offensive line... It's probably one of the better offensive lines we've had in a long time. As far as experience goes, these guys, there were four seniors with one sophomore who was probably the best part of this offensive line at this point. But there, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of strength there. We've had a guy who, make, who made the All-American team, All-ACC type things. We have great players. They've been developed. They are cross-trained. They can do a lot of different things. But... We're just not using our tight ends. Now, look, I understand the tight end position is one of the most difficult positions to play at Clemson. You have a lot of responsibilities. You're a pass catcher. You're a blocker. You're, you're setting protection sometimes. There's a lot of different things that tight ends do. And I understand that maybe Galloway, maybe Davis Allen, maybe Jalen Lay, which is obvious. He's been redshirted for pretty much the entire year. Uh, and, you know, some of those other guys are not as fluid with the playbook yet. But they're talented. I'm sure if you get them out on the field, they can do something. We see that Galloway is very valuable with blocking, uh, clearly. But again, that catch early on was so impressive that I, would, I was hoping that we can continue to use that, exploit that across the middle, especially with LSU being overly aggressive with Queen, being overly aggressive with Divinity, and using Kayla Chase on as just a nightmare coming off the edge. We didn't. I understand that the guys that do know the playbook very well are maybe not the best athletes out there, but you got you to gotta do it. You have to include them. One of the things I always like to talk about when I talk about this Clemson offense is Clemson's offense is a pick-your-poison offense. Well, it's not really that anymore because it has evolved. Not evolved. I'd say devolved. Or maybe it's just not caught up to the times. And I'm not saying that we run some triple option stuff. That's not what I'm talking about by any means. But I do truly feel like there are some things that Clemson could really capitalize on. In fact, 
I would like to see Clemson start doing more with the intermediate passing game. Right now, Clemson is relegated to quarterback runs on RPO, quick passing in the five-yard range, slants, maybe even some tunnel screens, or 50-50 balls. That seems to be the only type of routes that we run. We might hit a bang eight, which is like a skinny post type deal. Uh, Sometimes we hit that. Depends on what the coverage is showing us. But for the most part, it's an all go or it's a short pass. We don't really have the intermediate. We talked about this all season. Every single Clemson fan I know has talked about why do we not use the middle of the field? It's not that we can't. We just don't. And that's fine. I understand. Again, play calling is dictated by the game the flow of the game. You're behind. You need to throw the ball to get back into the game. But at the same time, when you have a running back who is averaging six and a half carries in this game, you're going up against an offense that is scoring pretty much at will now on your defense because they figured it out and your defense is gassed. Also, you have a career 8.3 yards per carry running back. You have to use them. In fact, again, he was one of the ones that brought the game back to reality. It was 28-25 after Travis Travis Etienne's run. Now, I'm not blaming everything on Clemson. I'm not saying that it's Clemson. Uh, You know, a lot of this goes to LSU just being a ridiculously dominant team. That's just the way it is. But let's talk a little bit about what I talked about in the previous episode, all my factors, and then I'm going to also redo from an honest assessment in this game, a vacuum of this game, the player personnel comparisons. So I talked about all those things, the factors that I like to look at, adversity rating. I talk about circumstances of the game. I talk about schedules, this and that, okay? So let's think about adversity rating. Let's talk about that really quick. Um, I had never seen LSU get in a hole like they did against Clemson, not this season. Never. But not one time did I see LSU drop their head in that. They were supremely confident before they even came out of the locker room, before they even ran through the smoke. They were supremely confident. They were oozing with swagger. Clemson was just like, you know, happy to be here. And it it showed. Now, early on, Clemson did come out again. They managed the emotions very well, came out pretty strong. I think the game plan and the script early on worked. But they didn't keep that emotion. LSU never really doubted them. So adversity ratings, I would say they are through the roof. But that's kind of a narrative. Let's talk about this a little bit. Um, You know, how often did Clemson play anyone throughout this season outside of North Carolina and Ohio State that didn't fold. I can walk you through a lot of games. Of course, UNC Charlotte doesn't really count. That was a game that Clemson was going to win even if they played all backups from the beginning. But let's talk about, and same for Wofford, but let's go ahead and talk about like Georgia Tech. When Clemson got up on Georgia Tech, after a certain while, they just kind of gave in. Florida State, They threw that pick six to Darian Kendrick, and it was just like, you know, now everybody's doing the Florida State thing, and they're just whining and crying, and they're just wanting to get home now. Pretty much everybody else went into their own hole. They crawled into a dark hole. North Carolina didn't do that. North Carolina fought the entire game. 
that was Clemson's first test of adversity. You get to Ohio State, a team that is vastly better than everyone you have played. You get to Ohio State, and they look just like you. When they get off the bus, they got big old boys, too, on the offensive line. They got big running backs. They got great receivers. They got better secondary. They've got everything that you've ever seen. They matched up just like you, and at some places are better. You get, on a, you get up on top of them. Of course, Clemson had to come behind from that game. Uh, but, you know, you know, you get up on them and they're, they're driving again. I know everyone, pretty much any person that was watching that game, watched the last drive of, of Ohio State marching down the field uh, with Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins and thinking, well, hmm, this is not good. They didn't give up. Justin Fields made an erratic throw. It's not so crazy now seeing that quarterbacks can do that, especially after the night that Trevor Lawrence had. 13 overthrows. That's an FBS record. More than he's ever thrown in his career to this point. Sometimes things just don't go your way, and he threw it the wrong place. Threw it directly to Nolan Turner. But they weren't giving up. They didn't fold. They were going down to score. You get to LSU, and they did not care how many points Clemson put up in the first quarter. They did not care that Clemson got up 17-7. They believed the entire time they were going to win, and they did. And to be quite frank, folks, they could have scored a whole lot more. Of course, Clemson could have too. That OPI, again, I'm not going to talk about the ref stuff, but the OPI negated a touchdown. But... They could have definitely scored a whole lot. And most notably on that last drive, that was very classy move by Coach O to not score again on that final drive. They had Clemson on the ropes, and they were going down. If I wholeheartedly believe it, we were not Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers. They would have probably just punched another one in. The reason why I know that is because Joe Burrow was still playing in the fourth, fourth quarter against Oklahoma. They respect Clemson because they understand they might have to see Clemson again next season, so they make it. And let's talk about that too, folks. One of the things that peeves me the most is the way too early top 25. And Vegas says that Clemson is going to be favored to win the national championship in 2020. And, you know, Clemson fans, don't worry about it because you know you'll be back tomorrow. That's a, that's a consolation prize. I'm not here for moral victories. I'm not here for that. It sucks that we lost this game, but you lost to the better team. But the thing that gets on my nerves is that people assume things. You can't just assume anything. You want to know why? People were saying that Alabama was definitely going to win the national championship the next season. They lost two games this year. Of course, came with circumstances. Tua got hurt, had to go to a backup, end up getting beat by this LSU team, and then you end up getting beat again. But that's football. Now, I'm not saying that Clemson won't get back next year. I think they will. They should. By all means, Clemson should be much stronger than we've ever seen next season. Given the talent that's coming in and the people that are returning, yeah. And we're still waiting on a few people to return. As of this point, no one's announced anything yet. I have a good feeling some people will stay. Some people will go. Some people need to go. I'm not going to say which one, but I think there's a specific player that 100% needs to leave Clemson at this point. There's nothing left for him to do. And there's nothing else for him to prove to anyone. Just go. 
And there's other guys that have no choice but to go because they are going to be a top 10, top five pick. But don't assume anything, folks, because the first thing I heard is that, well, LSU had to win this game because they're not going to get there next year. Don't assume that. You don't know what they're going to look at their recruiting. They're recruiting just as well as we are. At one point, they were two. Now, no, I don't like Miles Brennan right now, but what do you know about Miles Brennan? What do you know about any of the quarterbacks that they have there? People are basing it off of all of that. They're saying, oh, this is their one chance, so that's why they had to win it, but we're going to win it next year. You don't know that, folks. I'm not here to chastise you about it, but honestly, how many of you out here, I know you're just listening to me through your headphones or through your car audio or whatever, raise your hand if you thought Joe Burrow was going to have the greatest season in college football history. The LSU Tigers would be 15-0, and doing it so with the best offensive attack that we've ever seen in college football. Raise your hand. None of you thought that. Not a single one of you. I'm calling myself out on it. Ellis, you're an idiot. You want to know why? I had a whole episode about top 10 ACC and SEC quarterbacks combined, and I put Joe Burrow in the bottom 10 because I thought he was just this awful quarterback based off of what I've seen all the years before, and for good reasons. I had seen nothing out of Joe Burrow to know he was going to be what he is now. Now, granted, Joe Burrow is a 23-year-old man playing NFL quarterback right now in college. For you folks that didn't know, that is a 100% NFL offense. That is a re- multiple read regression offense. They know where they're going before they go there. They have tendencies that they do that NFL quarterbacks do. Look at Joe Burrow and then look at guys like Drew Brees. Just like him. Of course, Joe Brady came from the Saints, so it makes a lot of sense. Again, I talked about how the LSU offense is pretty much the exact same with certain modifications here and there because they do not have a fullback. But it's pretty much the same schemes, same concepts. And people have a really hard time in the NFL where everyone is really good, parity, stopping the Saints. You might beat them, but you're not really going to stop them. So, you know, I, I don't want to hear people say, you know, LSU is not going to do it because, again, you don't know who's going to do it. Of course, I, I, again, I think a lot of people thought that LSU had a chance to be, you know, competitive, maybe even get to the playoffs, but not do it the way that they did it. They were literally the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> it was strange. I, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens. And I think a lot of people bought into the hope, including myself, because, we again, you can't always go against the grain with football, but sometimes you got to think, hey, man, there's a chance. And I always root for my Clemson Tigers. If you, if you think that I'm a Clemson Tiger fan, I'm going to just say Clemson's not going to win just to appease everyone. That's stupid. I do enough research to know exactly what I'm talking about, but I was wrong in this one. I was 100% wrong, and everyone else seemingly was right. But I'll own that. Because I know how consistent this program has been. But that was one of the things that I talked about. Consistency. Throw that out the door. That didn't work in this game. For the most part, it does. It has for a lot of Clemson's success in the past decade. Consistency. Being there before. Know-how. That didn't work in this game. You just went up against a team that was trending at the right time. 
which is pretty much all season, strangely. <laughs> but again, you know, I tip my hat to Coach O. I like Coach O. I think that, you know, another thing that was disrespectful that I'm, I'm hearing from Clemson fans that I, I think I heard someone say that Coach O is nothing more than Gene Chizik. He'll be fired. He won that one because he had the best team he ever had. Okay. You don't know that. What happens if Nick Saban's finally hitting his prime and he's about ready to go and now Ed Ordron's that guy? For all intents and purposes, we don't know what's going to happen in the SEC West. They have all pretty much new coaches. <laughs> Everybody's new. Mike Leach, for all people, for crying out loud, coaches the Mississippi State Bulldogs now. There's going to be air raid in the SEC. Lane Kiffin coaches the Ole Miss Rebels. Chad Morris is the offensive coordinator at Auburn. So there's a lot of different things that happen in college football that you can't really explain. Uh, and this is why I'm not making any kind of guarantees. I don't know what's going to happen. But I do have a good feeling that Dabo understands that this team is going to come back ready to go. And what I want to know is how, do this, how does this team start their Tuesday how did Tuesday start for this team? I know you got six weeks off before spring practice, but what was your mind? Where was your mind? Where was your thought process on Tuesday morning? That's, that defines the heart of a champion. LSU started soon. They talked about it. Think about this. This same LSU team, for the most part, Talking about this Joe Moore offensive line winning, you know, you know, best offensive line in the country type deal. Thaddeus Moss was not really a huge factor in their offense last year, but he was there. Edwards Hilaire was part of their offense. He wasn't the starter, but he was there. Joe Burrow was the starting quarterback last year. Chase was there. Jefferson was there. Terrace Marshall was there. A lot of these defensive players, Grant Delpit has been looked at as the best safety in the game since Derwin James left Florida State. So they've, they've, they've had this team for a while, Michael Divinity. They said, hey, you know what? We got blanked 29-0 by Alabama at home because our offense stinks. We're tired of it. Let's do something different. Let's evolve. Every team that's ever gotten really, really good has evolved. That's what Clemson did. Clemson did one of the first things. That was the reason why this decade started so good. Think about this now, folks. Our offense was very bland. No offense to Billy Napier. He's doing a good job down there at Louisiana, uh, raging Cajuns. He's doing fine. But he was a terrible play caller at that time. He just was very unimaginative. So was his predecessor, Spence. That's why they were both fired. Debo Swinney, after 2010, was like, hey, we can't do this anymore. Let's bring in a hot rod. He brings in Chad Morse. Evolved it. Kevin Steele at that time was still trying to figure out things. They're still trying to be super complicated. And it just didn't work out. The Clemson players were not used to that yet. A lot of Clemson, a lot of college football players weren't used to his defense. He still has one of the most complex defenses out there. Had to let him go after the debacle at West Virginia. Bring in Brent Venables. Now Clemson is a real competitor. Now, all these teams have done that. All of them have done that. LSU, Alabama. Let's talk about Alabama. They went and turned into a powerhouse team. Remember when we used to always make fun of Alabama's? All they do is hand the ball off, run the ball. Derrick Henry had like 50 carries 
in the in the SEC championship game, 50 carries in the uh, first semifinal, and then uh, he had like 50 carries against us in the first national championship we played them. Now all, all they do is throw the hand the ball off. Nobody thought Jacob Coker was any good. He couldn't even beat out Jameis Winston at Florida State. He transferred to Alabama to win a national championship by handing the ball off. We used to make fun of Greg McElroy, all those old guys, because that's all they they were just like an afterthought of the offense. The receivers were really good, and they never used them. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper. Imagine what those guys would be like if they had Tua. <laughs> I, I mean, Tua in his prime with the tree. I, I, look, I know that Jerry Judy is amazing. Henry Ruggs is amazing. Devontae Smith is amazing. Jalen Waddle, awesome. But imagine if they had Julio Jones... Calvin Ridley and Amari Cooper with Tua. I don't even want to know. And OJ. <laughs> and OJ Howard. But that's kind of what it felt like playing LSU this Monday night. It felt like they had this all-star cast of guys. But for the most part, they were the same guys that were there last year. Part of that boring offense. So I'm looking for Clemson to go take some things from this. Evolve. I want the offense to evolve. I want to not run away from things that are helping us. And they know that. That's why they're getting paid a million dollars to do so. We pay our coordinators handsomely for good reason. I'm not ragging on Tony Elliott because he's called some fantastic games over the year. We know this, but we do get frustrated with certain things. So I want to see that evolve. I want to see players individually evolve. I want to see more effort. And it's hard to say, how can Clemson have more effort? They gave it their all, and they did. But sometimes there's things you can't learn from winning. Think about this now. We've been struggling. We struggled this year with North Carolina. I'm doing the finger quote thing. We, we struggled with North Carolina, but we won the game. So everybody's going, oh, well, it was just a one-point win, and who cares? It's, I, you know... One point win is the same thing as any other kind of win. And that's true. That's 100% true. But I guarantee you the resolve of the team would have been 100% different had they lost that game. Think about the fire that we saw after that. Think about the fire we saw after the pit loss. It was over for everyone. <laughs> it was over for everyone. We curtain called South Carolina at home. We pretty much... You know, call some timeouts to have everybody wave and say goodbye in that game because it was so bad. I never like losing. And Dabo himself said, you know, you know, we were 29 and 0. You know, we lost this one. This wasn't the one we wanted to lose, but we did, and that's okay going forward. I think differently. I think that this was perfect game to lose. I, this game doesn't change the narrative of Clemson, doesn't define Clemson whatsoever. It just means that LSU had a once-in-a-lifetime team. They, I mean, and I'm not saying that, again, I, I'm not trying to say that LSU won't be good anymore, but it, this was a once-in-a-lifetime team. All of the perfect factors, the perfect storm came together for them to have this kind of season. But it does not change anything about Clemson. They're still the standard of college football. And people hate that. 
29-0 is really impressive. You want to know how impressive 29-0? One team has went 30-0 since Nebraska did it. 95. And some of you guys listening remember that because you're old enough. Some people weren't even born yet. <laughs> That's a really long time, folks. It's really not in, in, in you know, the retrospect of college football, but it, it's, it's really hard to do. Not a lot of teams do it. And it's like, oh, well, LSU was 15-0. They're a second team to go 15-0 because Clemson was the first team since Penn in 1897, which is none of us were alive for. But, you know, for LSU to go 29-0, considering what they have to go through, that's – I don't know that they do that. I'm not saying they don't go back to the playoffs, but I don't know that they go 29-0. That's really hard to do. And then get there and then win it, go 30-0. So I don't I, I don't fault Clemson for losing this game. I don't feel bad against anything. I, I'm not mad at the program or the university. I think this was perfect for the program because you now learn. You understand the value of winning. Nothing is more important than having a lesson to learn. We're learning every single day. And I guarantee you, this group of players, this 80 freshmen and sophomores, they, one of the younger teams that we've ever had at Clemson, They're going to take this game, and I guarantee you that Tuesday, yesterday, when they woke up from that flight, when they got home into their beds, when they saw all those fans screaming for them, supporting them when they came home, even in a loss, they know it's game time. It's time to go back to work because there's always going to be somebody out there who wants it more than you did, and that's what happened last night. There's always going to be somebody who wants it more than you. Are you going to outwork that person? And I guarantee you the way Dabo coaches this team, ain't nobody going to outwork Clemson next season. (laughs) Ain't nobody going to outwork Clemson next season. You might beat them, but it's going to take a hell of an effort. A lot of things have to go your way. So that's why I always root for my Clemson Tigers. Now let's go back through, like I said, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the defense too, I'm gonna, and then I'm going to go into the player comparison again. But defense, again, perfect perfect storm early on. But I think a lot of that defensive plan was predicated on the offense getting scores every time they get a stop. They were coming out and stopping LSU. They surprised them. The offense has to keep scoring. You, again, I talked about this. You can't not score against LSU. You got to score. You got to score. If you don't score, it's going to be really difficult. And I think the defense did their job. Hats off to Brent Venables. But he's not a magician, folks. He doesn't walk on water. <laughs> this whole season was an experience. I've never seen Brent Venables like just so like relieved to win at times because of the defense. Going into the season, I think a lot of people, including myself, said, nah, this will be a top 10, top 15 range defense we lost the power rangers a lot of leadership as well i'm not exactly sure they're going to be a top two defense but you know before the playoffs and really before this game they really overachieved they just did it in a different way so hats off to venables for doing that but you know the man has to work with what he has it's no secret that the defensive line was not as strong as it has been for the last four years. Duh. 
I'm interested in seeing what happens coming forward. I think that Clemson has an opportunity to really, really change that narrative about the defensive line. We've got some guys that really has to step up. It's proving ground for a lot of these guys. Xavier Thomas, sophomore, didn't have the greatest season. Now you're a junior. You're going into being your junior season. You got to step up. You got to be a leader for all these young guys. Because you got some guys coming in that can really take your spot. <laughs> Brian Brzee doesn't care who you are or where you came from. He's wanting to come in and start. Same for Capehart. Same for Johnson. Same for Murphy. These guys want to play. And if you don't step up, they're going to take your job. And that's just the way it works. No harm, no foul. As much as I hate to say it, if you don't like it, there's always a transfer portal. But just remember, it's not always your friend. <laughs> but I think that's going, to be, that's going to change. I think the linebackers are going to get a boost having Skalski back. No, he might not be the most athletic guy, but he really did make a difference in this game because he knows the defensive scheme. By the way, I'm sure Clemson will go back to a four-down lineman look next season because you'll have the bodies to do it. You're going to have Tyler Davis coming back as a sophomore, as a starter, returning starter. Jordan Williams is coming back. Not exactly sure what's going on with Niles Pinckney, but you're going to have some guys coming back. Plus, you're going to have some guys that were young right now, Rucororo, at Noza Rubin. Get another year in power hour. See what happens with that. Get those guys ready to go. Like I said, you got Taquan Johnson, a guy who I really like. You also have DeMonte Capar, and you also have Brian Brzee who can play inside and outside. And that kid's going to wreak havoc on everybody as a true freshman. So I like it. Then you're going to have some guys step up. Balen Spector, super excited for his future. Mike Jones is going to play. Jake Venables was just not ready last uh, in the national championship game, but he will be. He's the son of a Venables. <laughs> he's he's going to play. He's going to be ready. The secondary is going to make some changes. A.J. Terrell probably needs to come back. I don't want to harp too much on him because I know a lot of the situation is he was one-on-one -on -one with the Bolitnikov winner for a reason. And also Joe Burrow is just throwing dimes. Stuff that you can't defend. But A.J. Terrell serves himself to come back. It'd be nice. Darian Kendrick can step up again. You got some other young guys. Booth. I really like Sheridan Jones. You're going to have some young guys coming in in this new class. I really like the outlook for Clemson's defense. But this year was more of an experience. It was an experiment. But Brent Venables made the most of it. But in this game, it just kind of bit him. But again, there's some things that happen. Of course, again... You can't really roll the safeties up without leaving your cornerbacks one-on-one on islands with these ridiculous receivers. It's just the way it is. You can't dedicate a linebacker because you only had one, and his job was to either drop back a little bit in that Tampa 2-type look, or his job was to rush the quarterback. He didn't have time to be covered with uh, Thaddeus Moth if he was close to the line of scrimmage. If you roll your safeties back to help, then it's going to hit you in the middle and short routes, slants, crossers, stuff like that. So LSU, again, NFL offense, NFL concepts, can't really stop it unless you're NFL defense. So, um, you know, hats off to Venables. But, again, I'm happy about what's going to happen in the future for this Clemson defense, as I am for the Clemson offense. But, I, again, I just want to see it evolve a little bit more. 
But let's let's go ahead and do this. I want to go ahead and get into it. Let's do the player comparisons one more time. And again, folks, this is based solely off of what I saw in this specific game. For the quarterbacks, I'm going, without a doubt, LSU. Not even close. Joe Burrow was literally a man amongst men. And in this game and in this season, he just outplayed Trevor. But Trevor is a young quarterback. Do not forget that. He is a sophomore. 25-1. and I'd say that's pretty dang good. We know how talented he is. He just had a bad night. What a night to have a bad night, (laughs) but he just had a bad night, and it's okay. We're not always going to be perfect. And for anyone who's looking for Trevor Lawrence to be perfect, I saw someone saying that don't ever say that Trevor Lawrence is better than Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson played for three years. Deshaun Deshaun Watson wasn't a perfect package in his freshman season, although that first pass was beautiful against Georgia. God, that was beautiful. But for this game, I'm going with Joe Burrow. For the running backs, I'm going even. Edwards Hilaire had a great game, but so did Travis Etienne while he was a part of it. (laughs) But I think it was even. I think it was fair assessment to say it was an even game. For the wide receivers, without a doubt, going LSU. They crushed their competition. The guy that lined up in front of them, they just won the matchup. Didn't matter who it was. I saw Chase beat three different type guys on our defense. So it didn't matter. Going LSU. Clemson's offense is not geared towards helping our receivers at this point because there's 50-50 balls. They're not running real routes at this point. They're just trying to beat their guys off of pure athleticism. This is why I want to see them get more physical. We All we do is talk about Clemson being wide receiver U when he actually got showed up twice. But that doesn't mean that Clemson's receivers aren't elite. They are. We just have to get them back in a rhythm. But for this game in a vacuum, I'm going LSU. Offensive line. Uh, I'm actually going to go even as well. I know that Joe Burrow had forever to sit back there and look, but that's a product of their offense. That's just the way it is. They know what they're going to do. You don't. But Trevor didn't really get overly harassed. I just think he kind of pressured certain things. Of course, like I said, Caleb Von Chason was in his face a couple times. He made some throws, just like just throwing it up in the office back foot or whatever. This is very inaccurate. But for the most part, he didn't get super harassed all night. Actually, Joe Burrow was sacked more than Trevor Lawrence. But it just appeared that way because, again, you only pay attention to the good things. You don't ever look at the bad things unless they're glaringly bad for your team. But I'm going even with this, and I don't care what anybody says. Tight ends going with LSU because they actually use theirs. The fact that we did not go to Brayton Galloway after his long catch and run puzzles me about as much as the running backs. Lynn J. Dixon had one carry. That's another thing I forgot about. <laughs> Lynn J. Dixon had one carry in this game. Kidding me? But I digress. Tight ends going with LSU. Thaddeus Moss was the O.J. Howard of 2015. Couldn't stop him. Two touchdown catches. So, LSU. I think Clemson has the ability to be that good. They just have to do it. Hopefully, going forward in 2020, a concerted effort would be made to run the ball more and get it to your tight ends across the middle and and your slot receivers. For the defensive line, um, 
I'm going to go slight LSU. I don't think that they disrupted the, the offense that much. I think they did a pretty good job of containing the run for the most part at certain times, but Travis Etienne still was able to make, make plays on them. Uh, so I don't really think that they were overly dominant. And I do think the Clemson defensive line at one point were getting pressure. But when you're only rushing three people, four at the most, depends on if you're bluffing or actually sending someone, it's going to be hard. Clemson's defensive ends aren't made to have to go up against five guys in a three set. I'm convinced that Xavier Thomas didn't have the great season that we all expected him to have because he was coming in as a relief pretty much edge rusher uh, last season. This year, he's actually being tasked with being a part of a three-down lineman look. That's hard to do. I think that Logan Rudolph, awesome, but he's undersized for the position. I think that, you know, K.J. Henry is still learning how to be a defensive end. He's doing it, and it's working, and he's gotten bigger. I like his body, but he's still learning. But I don't think they did bad in this game. In fact, I think they did a pretty good job. Tyler Davis is a star. I really like this kid's future. Of course, he's not as big as Dexter Lawrence, but he he what he's not making up for in just tremendous size is technique and just a never-ending motor. But I like our D-line. Even though it needs work and it's going to get better from here, I still like our D-line in this game, so I'm going to go slight... I guess I could say slight LSU, but uh, because I won the game, uh, I might have actually downgraded that back to even. I'll say even. Linebackers, uh, this was kind of hard to do because Clemson played a lot of 3-1, a lot of 3-3. Three, 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 uh, that was not necessarily, I talk about linebacker, uh, linebacker types. It wasn't specifically an actual linebacker. I didn't really even see Chad Smith on the field for this game. What a way to go out. <laughs> But it was, again, it was a personnel thing. He would have gotten eaten alive in this game specifically. So um, I'm going to wash this one. But, you know, I, honestly speaking, Patrick Queen played hell of a game, much better than I thought he would. He ended up being the defensive player of the game for LSU in the game. Uh, and I think Divinity, with his time off, uh, was able to come back and play, although I will disagree with how he came back in. That's just ridiculous. You can't be suspended four times in a year. Of course, it was released, folks, four times in a year for four failed drug tests. That is borderline. If Clemson, if that happened to Clemson, he would have been like long blacklisted. Uh, he would not be a Clemson Tiger. But, hey, he was able to come back and get a national championship, right? So hats off to him, whatever. This one, I'm going to wash it. For the secondary, uh, just for all intents and purposes, I, I am obligated to go with LSU uh, because for the most part, they abused our secondary. And not to our secondary's fault. It's not like they were bad. It's just, one, LSU was getting their guys on an island, and it's really hard to stick with those guys, especially if Joe Burrow is running around for three and four seconds. It's hard to cover a receiver that's that good for four to five seconds. Now, of course, a lot of boneheaded mistakes, being behind, running into guys on third and 19, or just losing your footing and getting beat on a simple jailbreak, stuff like that is just not acceptable. But at the same time, I give Clemson's defense a little bit of pass. You are playing literally the best offense in college football history. But I'm going to go with LSU's in this one. For the special teams, I'm going to surprise you folks. 
Actually, Clemson had the better special teams in this game. BT Potter made a very long 52-yard field goal that was good all the way. It didn't even look sketchy. It's fantastic. I'm excited. I wanted to see more of that, at least. And Will Spires punted his ass off. Excuse my language, folks, but he did. I'll stick up for him in this game. I think that Cade York missed his kick. So Clemson actually gets the benefit on this when they did it. But overall, I'm actually going to have to go with LSU all the way. And that's no surprise. Clearly, the scoreboard says so. Again, this was a game that everyone saw a million miles away except me. And this is why I also caution you fans out there about talking about programs or anything like that, like we can't lose. Because I seem to remember hearing a lot of people say, and including myself at one point before I went back and watched the film, is one of the reasons why I wasn't so crazy about saying, oh, yeah, for sure, we're definitely going to beat them is the fact that everyone was going, well, we beat Ohio State, so we're definitely going to beat LSU. I'm not worried about LSU at all. <laughs> and now you feel differently, right? Again, Clemson could have scored more points, but so could LSU. I just don't think this was a game that Clemson was going to win this year. But that doesn't hold the Clemson Tigers back from coming back and a certain dominance again and showing that they are the standard of college football and winning another national championship. Maybe not next year, but within the next two to three years. You can bet on that. Folks, when we come back, we're going to do a little bit of a season recap, uh, and then I'm going to give you guys more details about the 4th and 16 podcast. Got to go to break. Back in a moment. Welcome back. To the 4th and 16 Podcast. All right, folks, we're back. Second segment of 4th and 16 Podcast is here, and I told you it was going to be a little bit of a long one, <laughs> a little bit long-winded, but this has been a very long season, uh, and I just want to make sure that people understand. I want to talk about the season as a whole because I don't want people to think that because we lost, the season was just a wash. You know, a lot of people out there are upset that we didn't win the national championship and they're not happy about it. Look, getting to the national championship and losing is better than not getting to the national championship by any means. I know about 126 other teams that wish they were playing in the national championship and losing. <laughs> of course, you want to win it. Everybody wants to win the national championship. That's the point of playing if you're competitive. But, you know, imagine being in someone like Florida State's shoes. <laughs> we don't have to deal with that. That's not something for us right now. Hopefully they'll come out of their little hole, but imagine dealing with that. Imagine being Miami and losing to FIU. <laughs> you know, imagine being UCF and going undefeated and not getting into playoffs. So this is why I'm telling you folks, getting to the playoffs and getting into the national championship in the first place is a success for Clemson this season, which is why they're going to just build on that. I don't think this is one of those games that they should just rearview mirror. I don't think they should just wash it and forget it. I think they should actually take something from this because this is different than other years. Other years, you've been 14-1. and You might be 15-0 and and lost the national championship. You were 29-0 coming off of one of the most impressive national championship games in history, and now that same thing kind of happened to you the next year. But that's just the way of football. That's the way it works, folks. 
I dare say that this game was not necessarily like Clemson versus Alabama because Tua had a fantastic game. Although he got baited twice, he still over, had over 400 yards passing and two touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence had zero touchdowns, 38.1 quarterback rating. Terrible. But that doesn't define him. We know how good he is. Heck, he's won like 80 games and lost five now as a starter. So what? That doesn't define him. Just like Joe Burrow going 15-0, having the best quarterback record in college football doesn't mean he's going to be Tom Brady in the NFL. He could go to the Bengals, stink it up, and then everybody will be upset that they drafted him. That's just kind of how things work. So don't buy into all the negative stuff about that. Also, don't listen to people talking about, Ohio State would have done better. Nobody cares. That's like, why would you think that the team that lost to the team that lost to the team would be better? <laughs> that makes no sense. So don't worry about all that. So let's go ahead and talk about the season, starting with Georgia Tech. It showed us a little bit. I think that was the beginning of showing us what we had this season. I think that, you know, it didn't start off super smooth. Clemson had to kind of, you know, get themselves out of that rust. Trevor Lawrence throwing interceptions, yada, yada, yada. Everybody's going, what's wrong with Trevor? You know, and, but the thing I saw was the heart of a champion. And I still saw the heart of a champion even to the last moment of this game that we just lost by 17 points. Because the heart of the champion isn't always necessarily in gameplay. The heart of the champion was Dabo being super classy about the loss. It was the heart of a champion to see these players out there crying and singing the alma mater to their fans who loved them and traveled to see them. Heart of a champion is answering all these difficult questions after the game. You know, they were asking Trevor Lawrence about Joe Burrow's play after the game in the presser. You know that had to hurt. Sitting up there hearing about somebody else who, you know, for the entire season, but specifically head-to-head, made you look really bad, comparatively speaking. But he was able to st stay up there and play. But that heart of the champion to me started against Georgia Tech when I saw him run that kid down, Trace Willing, cornerback, to save a pick six. The defense go out there, get a turnover. That's what it started. That's when we started seeing that things were different. Of course, we were all wondering how it was going to be without the Power Rangers. Well, Clemson came out in a different look, and it was still really good. Everybody's like, wow, this is impressive. Players that were constantly ragged on about how they played certain things Ended up looking pretty good for the season. Tanner Muse has been a person that we've talked about since his entire time starting at Clemson was suspect, finger quotes again, in coverage. Yet he led the team in interceptions. It is what it is. For the most part, he didn't get burned against LSU. It is what it is. <laughs> and by the way, it's hard to say LSU and Ohio State and OSU because you want to say OSU, LSU, the whatever. So if I keep messing that up, completely ignore me. It's that old brain kicking in. But again, Clemson was able to put, come out against Georgia Tech and status quo. He scored 52 points. It was great. Then the next week, you have to deal with all the people talking about, oh, they're going to get upset because of what happened last year, as if last year's results help anything. Oh, you're going to be playing Texas A&M. At that time, the 12th ranked team in the country. You're number one. Jared Hawker, the offensive lineman, comes in and his little thing, his little presser, and is like, it's going to be upset, I guarantee you. <laughs> I remember listening to that and be like, hey, man, you uh, slow your roll a little bit, buddy. 
Clemson pretty much shuts them out until a last six-second touchdown by Jimbo Fisher to make it a little bit better. Clemson won that game 24-10. Again, some things that you see that were not necessarily good. The defense was a little rusty early on. The offense wasn't necessarily moving the ball at will, but they were still asserting dominance. Clemson came out and showed who was the better team. We know it's always a weird tussle back and forth with Jimbo Fisher, but we were able to pretty much hold them at bay. Clemson gets through that game. That was one of the one games that everybody's going to go, oh, I don't know. Then you add the unfortunate ability, the situation to have to play Syracuse in Syracuse again. Coming off of the year where they almost beat you, and the year before that, they did beat you. Of course, they didn't have Eric Dungey, their all-world player. Might as well have been Jim Brown at that time. But, you know, everybody had high hopes that Syracuse was actually going to knock Clemson off again. Until they saw Maryland dismantle them. <laughs> Everybody's like, uh, maybe Syracuse is not that good. Or maybe Maryland is that good. Nope. Turns out both teams are trash. That's just the way it goes. Clemson goes to Syracuse and wins 41-6, handles business. Still throwing interceptions, though, with Trevor Lawrence. It's not good for a lot of people. What's wrong with Trevor Lawrence? Why is he not playing like the quarterback we thought he was? Because, one, maybe you put too many lofty expectations on him. Chill out. But Trevor's dealing with the same thing that Deshaun Watson dealt with. Pressure. Too many expectations. You got to press because you were pretty much given the Heisman Trophy and said, hey, make sure to shine this thing up before you get back to New York. When you get in the national championship game, make sure to keep it in your locker safe. You know, that, that's the way it was. But Clemson went up there and handled business. We saw Amari Rogers come back and we're like, what in the world? How is this kid who just tours ACL in April, March, playing in a game right now and looking really fast. That's another thing I want to go ahead and tip my hat to. Clemson's health and sports media medicine, hats off to those guys because we really don't deal with crazy injuries like a lot of these other teams do. Same to Joey Batson in the strength program. We got these guys conditioned. We came through that game. Going on to the next week, a game that was pretty much a snoozer. Trevor Lawrence didn't even play pretty much in the third quarter. Uh, it was against UNC Charlotte. I think everybody expected that. That game was fun because, you know, we got to see a movie made. Former Clemson player was there. You know, we were basically having a Disney Plus thing. For all intents and purposes, everybody needs to remember that that, I think, is going to be coming out on Disney Plus in November. So watch that. Uh, it, it was really cool. You got to simulate, simulate a game inside of an actual game. Uh, and you get to live, relive a little bit of Clemson history. Uh, but Clemson won that game 52-10. to 10. Still hearing about how Trevor Lawrence isn't really that good. Well, first and foremost, the kid didn't play really at all in the game. So why are we talking about this? Moving along, and now we're at the time where everybody's about to play a team that they don't know anything about. Clemson's unfortunate situation is traveling to Chapel Hill to play North Carolina, a team that had a new head coach who was actually the old head coach. You had new offensive coordinators. You had new defensive coordinators. You had a new quarterback. You don't know anything about North Carolina. North Carolina gives them everything that they can handle. Comes down to a, you know, crazy little idea of running a speed option to the boundary side. <laughs> on a two-point conversion. 
You know what? Now I don't think so bad about that because Clemson ran a speed option again in this game against LSU to the boundary side too. And I'm just, what are you doing? But I, I guess I see it now. But Clemson was able to come up with that stop. It was a really gutsy performance from pretty much everyone. Um, that was probably Travis Etienne's worst game ever. Um, he really dropped the ball on that one, but uh, he learned a lot from it. He stepped up. And, you know, we were talking about more of the uh, being involved in the blocking game, and he really stepped it up since then, also being a receiver. Uh, and Travis Etienne didn't do anything but grow from that. So, again, Clemson was able to survive that one 21-20. They understood the value of just being a single point. After that, he had Florida State, and that was a game which pretty much no one really knew exactly what to expect. Of course, Florida State had been a dumpster fire. They still are, but they're working towards it now with a new head coach. But, you know, honestly, uh, no one really knew what to expect. They had the offensive coordinator that Willie Taggart wanted the entire time in Kendall Bryles. who was supposed to come in and bring the offense this firepower, make it more uh, unique, and it ended up just looking the same. Uh, Clemson came into this game and dominated from the beginning. I talked about how a lot of teams went in the shell every time something bad happened against Clemson, and this is a prime example. Uh, they had a lot of turnovers in this game, a lot of bad things, a lot of bad breaks, some injuries to some of the better players. Keyshawn Hilton went down in this game. But uh, for the most part, Florida State just went into a hole, especially on that one pick six from Darian Kendrick of James Blackman. It was just over. Now you got Florida State just having to retool. It wasn't too much longer that Willie Taggart was fired after that. So uh, Clemson won that game pretty handily, 45-14. That was more of that everybody's waiting to see what happened with Clemson. Did they learn their lesson? Uh, did they get? Are they going to get better? That was kind of the culmination of everything. Uh, still didn't really think Trevor Lawrence had this fantastic game. I remember a lot of people saying it was just not you – know, it was better, but it wasn't that great. And that's how people are unfairly judging Trevor. The next week is when things really started to turn around. It went to Louisville, a team that was just kind of bad. Actually, probably the cesspool of the ACC uh, the previous year, as long as uh, you know all, any of us are concerned. Uh, but they ended up having a pretty good year this year. Uh, but Louisville was playing pretty good football. They ended up the week before beating Wake Forest, scoring a lot of points, using two different quarterbacks. Running backs were doing a lot of cool things. But uh, we go there, and in the first half, it's a lot of exactly what everybody had been saying all season. Trevor Lawrence is just off. Something isn't right. There's two interceptions. He's baited terribly on one. The other is just a bad throw uh, and misread by Amari Rogers uh, on a route. But Trevor Lawrence ends the first, I guess, half with a crazy throw uh, to the end zone. It's just kind of just like a throw it up, a prayer throw. Uh, Justin Ross comes down with it at the back of the end zone. That's when things started turning around. Trevor Lawrence really uh, clicked. This is October ball for Clemson. Uh, of course, this is important to note because Trevor Lawrence went on a terror as far as quarterback play is, you know, concerned when it, you know, it just in general with his stats. I mean, he was playing better than Joe Burrow was actually uh, statistically in the month of October and up until this point. Uh, but at the second half of this game is when he really became very efficient, uh, probably one of the better games that he had this entire season. Uh, you got to think about a guy like Trevor. All you've been hearing is you're just not playing very well. All this offense was hearing that you're just not the same. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence came out and had something to prove. I mean, it was really that simple. 
20 of 29, 233 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Like I said, he started the game with two interceptions, looked really bad. Clemson went on and handled business, won that game 45-10. Then that national narrative started to come back. Uh, But before that, it was I remember hearing a guy like Emmanuel Acho saying, you know, the way you beat Clemson is a drop eight because Trevor does not take the check downs. And for the most part, that was kind of true. Uh, but my thing was that people didn't believe that Trevor could take a tre- check down. He actually progressed with that a little bit better. But I've noticed in the playoffs, he actually went back to being more of the big play, just trying to go as far as he can. It didn't really go to the check downs as much. Uh, but uh, Trevor Lawrence really got better in October. Moving on to Boston College, that was another just absolute you know drudging of an ACC opponent. Uh, A.J. Dillon did break a record in this game. Uh, but they were just pretty much destroyed. This is actually the game that was, you know, a new face of the wide receiver core stepped up, and that was DeAndre Overton. He just really came out of nowhere. Uh, Travis Etienne also had 109 yards rushing, three touchdowns, but DeAndre Overton really stepped up. Three scores. I've, we've never seen that out of him. At most, he's gotten like one a game or one every other game or something like that. Uh, this game, he actually stepped up. He was the leading receiver, so... A uh, very good game, of course. Again, it was one of the games that just led to Steve Adazio being fired at the end of the year. They are now coached by Jeff Halfley, former co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State. So we got a lot more to see of that. Wofford game, you know, I, I actually attended this one as well. It was a great game. It was uh, the military bowl, military appreciating game, military appreciation game, uh, all purple. Guys came out just on fire. I didn't expect anything less. Uh, four scores for Trevor Lawrence in this game. Travis Etienne had another 200-yard game. It was just great. Everything was great. Um, you know, more consistent play out of Trevor. This is what we wanted to see out of Trevor so long. It's him just go for a few games or a stretch here and there without an interception. Uh, and he ended up not throwing a single interception after that. So, uh, that's good, especially considering some of the secondaries that he played in the playoffs. Very good on Trevor. Going on to the next game, that was NC State, game that a lot of people you know, were probably thinking this was going to be a weird trap game for him. You're going up to Carter-Finley in November. You know, It's night, it's blustery, it's raining. You don't know much about them because they've gone through three different quarterbacks and Matthew McKay, Bailey Hockman, and Devin Leary. They're having a terrible season, but hey, what a perfect reason uh, for this game to be a trap game for Clemson. Well, they go there and they handle business. Not even close. 55-10, of course. Trevor Lawrence, no interceptions. Playing very efficient. 276 yards passing, three touchdowns. Travis Etienne, 112 yards, two touchdowns. Just being the man that he is. Defense stepping up in this one, too. Of course, Devin Leary is a true freshman for NC State. He'll probably have a good chance to be the starter next year. Uh, But right now, NC State was just no match for them. The next game was going to be an interesting one. Wake Forest was technically the second-best team in the ACC at that point. Uh, Of course, they had already lost to Louisville and whatnot, but Wake Forest had that offense that was just humming under Jamie Newman, had all these guys really doing it, Sage Surratt, Scotty Washington, they really had some things going on, but Wake Forest was coming into this game kind of handicapped. They did not have Sage Surratt and Scotty Washington, their two best receivers that hands down could have competed easily with some of the guys that we've seen this season. 
Uh, and you also were without, they were also without guys like Justin Stranad, linebacker. He was their leader, was not in this game. He was injured for the season earlier in a couple games before, I think maybe the Louisville game. Uh, they did lose their best safety, Luke Masterson. They just they just weren't ready uh, to really compete with Clemson at this point, and they were handicapped. It showed because they had one of the more potent offensive uh, game plans that you know in the country. At one point, they were like top four offensively, uh, but Jamie Newman was really really handicapped in this one. They didn't even really try to attempt to pass that much. They didn't have any other people outside of Kendall Hinton. Clemson did a really good job of shutting them down and won the game 52 to three. Again, another game where Clemson was just dominant and very efficient. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had a career high, tied it in this game, four touchdown passes. Pretty much all of them go to T. Higgins. <laughs> T. Higgins had three. Uh, in this game, this is when T. Higgins started really stepping up and eating people alive. This is where his streak started. Travis Etienne had another 121-yard carry game. He was doing it pretty much on ridiculous yards per carry, as always. 16 carries for 121 yards. That's just ridiculous. Uh, but, again, more of Clemson playing teams that have no chance to beat them. You now are playing your rival. They play South Carolina, won 38-3. Of course, South Carolina was playing with Tavian Feaster, former running back at Clemson that controversially uh, transferred over to South Carolina. The rival didn't really play much of a help for them. Ryan Alinsky was injured in this game. I don't know exactly why he finished it out the way he did. Jay Urich also did not really attempt to pass. That was kind of weird. Uh, South Carolina was just kind of discombobulated this entire season. Of course, they had one of the most difficult records in the country. Uh, but you know, it's just one of those things where they were, they're not on Clemson's level right now. And we know that, and everyone knows that they've got a lot of work to do. Uh, they're trying to make the right changes. Of course, hiring Mike Bobo over now to replace, uh, Brian McClendon, who has been demoted, uh, and they did fire, uh, some other people, but we'll see what happens now. Uh, but South Carolina just really couldn't do it. At times, it looked like they were going to be competitive, but Clemson was able to just put the clamps down on them. None of that stuff like 2017 and 2018 where it was just kind of weird, uh, especially 2018 where they put a lot of yards on them. I think a lot of people were expecting that to happen. Ryan Helensky was supposed to be the equal to Trevor Lawrence, and we see that that was not the truth. Uh, but at the same time, Ryan Helensky was massively injured for the most of the part of the season. He was thrust in the season in the first place. Uh, after game one, Jake Bentley hurt himself against North Carolina. Moving on to the next game, Clemson's, you know, undefeated again. You're 12-0. You're going to go against the seventh different team to represent the Coastal in the ACC for the conference championship game in Virginia. Virginia came into this game in 23rd. This was the first ranked team that Clemson got to play in a long while, if at all. <laughs> uh, Clemson did have a terrible uh, unlucky route of playing one team up until that point that was ranked, and that was Texas A&M. After beating them and then losing to uh, Alabama, they were just pretty much out of it at that point. Uh, Texas A&M is another one of those teams that had a very difficult schedule, but Clemson just didn't have a lot of teams, if any, that were ranked. Unfortunately, that's just the way it goes. That's part of the ACC. Hopefully it'll get better this season, but uh, for the most part, Clemson was what we expected them to be. They won this game 62-17, although there were some things that concerned people a little bit late. Clemson had the ball moved on them at some points relatively easily. easy. Of course, Bryce uh, Perkins, quarterback for Virginia, very athletic guy. He's going to have a chance to do something in the NFL. I don't know that he'll have a huge chance. He's not that accurate. Uh, but he was able to have a pretty good game. He actually uh, led Virginia to be able to break the streak of no teams having uh, more than 300 yards in a game total offense. 
Uh, he did pretty good. Uh, 266 yards passing with two touchdowns, but he also had two interceptions. Critical fumble was injured in this game as well. They pretty much had no running game. Their running game all went through Perkins. Talapapa is pretty good running back, but you know they're just not consistent with it. Uh, and their defense had no answers for Clemson. T. Higgins also destroyed in this game. He had 182 yards receiving on nine receptions. That's ridiculous. Three touchdowns. Same with Travis Etienne. 14 carries for 114 yards. He he was just destroying everybody. And Trevor Lawrence, yet again, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Very, very efficient football for Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, but again, there were some things, there were some red flags. The defense was getting exposed a little bit, and especially going into the uh, you know, playoffs against two teams that were, you know, looked at as one and two in the country. Uh it, it was you know, some people started to have doubts about Clemson. Of course, people already had doubts about Clemson because of the narrative of the schedule. Can't really get past that. It is what it is. Now it's being pumped a little bit even harder because of the fact that, you know, Clemson lost in the national championship game the way they did. Uh, and also for a lot of people struggled against uh, Ohio State. There's a lot of people who still believe that Ohio State should have won that game. Of course, yeah, I personally think that Ohio State was the better team that night. Uh, it just so happens that there were two better teams than Clemson this season, but Clemson did get a win against one of them. Uh, so it didn't matter, in my opinion. I don't, I don't care if Ohio State was better. They still lost to Clemson. Uh, but speaking of the game, again, you go into the semifinal uh, and you're playing Ohio State, you get down in the hole quickly, 16 nothing. but you're doing really well in red zone defense. I mean, you're holding this team who was getting 48 and 49 points a game to field goals. Uh, they were getting stuffed at certain areas. Of course, Clemson, again, some of those same deficiencies that we saw against Virginia popped up. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things where Clemson did find the heart of a champion and grid it out. Uh, they were able to come back on gutsy performance from Trevor. He didn't have the best passing game, uh, but he also didn't throw any interceptions. He's very efficient when it came to that. Uh, but, you know, really two touchdown passes, 259 yards, just pretty ho-hum game. But the most important thing was the 16 carries, 107 yards uh, rushing with a touchdown. That touchdown coming on a 67-yard run where – Basically, he just outran everybody for the Ohio State defense, which is so impressive. I don't think a lot of people understood how athletic that Trevor Lawrence actually is, uh, but he made that run, and it just looked beautiful. Uh, it was sprung by a beautiful block by Braden Galloway, uh, and he made the rest happen. He did this a couple more times. Of course, him being a runner in this game really made um, you know Ohio State press the fact that they have to cover him and later on it bit them in the you know butt because they came back with this beautifully designed quarterback fake taught jump pass type thing almost Tim Tebow-ish Travis Etienne was able to take it to the house for a touchdown defense was tasked with having to stop Ohio State Ohio State was driving down the field relatively easy with time on the clock but a terrible mistake a miscommunication between Chris Olave and Justin Fields led to an interception that sealed the game for the Clemson Tigers and got them to their third national championship appearance in four years. Uh, and that comes to this episode. We're current now. So, again, you know, folks, for whatever, whatever you think about it, again, just getting to the national championship itself was a success. Of course, you always want to win it. It hurts when you don't. But I think this team overachieved this year. I, I really think they do. I think they've overachieved more than they have in the past. Uh, just because the circumstances, I don't think the ACC particularly helped out Clemson at all. From the narrative point, I don't, I don't want to say it helped. It hindered Clemson in uh, performance in any way. I don't think 
that had anything to do with it. I just think that Clemson had the unfortunate ability uh, to go through those teams and not find out where you actually stand uh, until you've played the two best teams in the country. Uh, like I said, you ended up splitting. You beat one and you lost to the other. Uh, I'm not saying that LSU would have done the exact same thing to Ohio State, but the way they were playing, the confidence that LSU had, uh, I still think that LSU would have won the national championship this year uh, in hindsight. Uh, but again, just hats off to Clemson. They overachieved this year. They really, really did what no one expected them to do. Uh, and for the most part, go in and shock LSU early on. Uh, it, like I said, that 17-7 to to a lot of people out there watching the game was like, yeah, Clemson's got this. But for LSU, uh, they knew. Even their fans kind of just got a little quiet. I remember being quiet for a good mo- for the most part, but that first touchdown that they threw, you know, it, it injected life. Clemson went up 17-7 at that point. Then they threw another one, and then they threw another one. And it was just, you could just tell that they knew. So uh, hats off to them. But Clemson, I, I will never – ever be upset with anything that Clemson's done uh, in this past way because they, they're doing it the right way. The culture's where it needs to be. You know, no one's going to hang their head and be sad about it forever. You know, of course, they're sad that they didn't win the national championship. That's human nature. But these guys just understand that winning is precious. This is why Dabo makes such a big point of winning uh, when, it, when it comes to one point or whatever because I guarantee you that all the people – Way back for all the wins that we've had that are ugly or whatnot, I would have happy would have been extremely happy if we had an ugly win against LSU because it's still a win's a win. It is what it is. So you know, again, not necessarily concerned with this one. I am concerned with how the team goes forward. I want to see some of these young guys step up again. This is a team of eighty freshmen and sophomores. They're going to play a huge part next season. But you've got a lot of experience in big-time ball. Now you know what it's like. Now you know what it's like to lose because you know what it's like to win. Now you know what it's like to lose. How does that feel? What are you going to do from there? So I think Dabo is going to do a good job of that. But, again, huge success to Clemson. Now next season is going to be even better. I can't wait to spring starts to ramp up here. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be taking a little time off, but when I come back, we're going to be getting heavy into that uh, spring game look, some outlooks, some things that we're going to be looking for. You know, we had, I think, 16 mid-year enrollees coming in. They're going to be playing in the spring game, so we get the first look at them. Uh, super excited about every position that's coming in to watch them work. Uh, so, you know, folks, it's it's right around the corner yet again. <laughs> There's no break. Uh, you know, we're going to see what this team is all about here shortly you can tell from first practice you can tell what the the energy is for the season like last year we knew what the energy was those guys all announced that they were coming back you know from the first practice of spring we knew what those guys were like we knew what we knew from the conversations about those guys during mat drills that they were going out there they love it they wanted to be a part of mat drills because they were ready to get back after it and for those who don't know mat drills are terrible <laughs> they were awful it's one of the worst physical things you can ever go through but these guys wanted it and i guarantee you this this group of guys are going to do the same and they're going to instill that to these new freshmen coming in can't wait to see the senior class work as well it's going to be a pretty big one like i said 80 freshmen and sophomore you're going to have a lot of juniors coming up you're going to have a lot of seniors so a lot of really really excited about that um but you know yeah, I, I have no problem with losing the game <laughs> at some point it had to happen again 29 games is there's a lot of teams out there wishing that they just won eight games this season much less 29 in a row 
So never forget that, folks. Never, you know, get too hype. I'm even talking to myself. Never think that you can you can you can't lose. It can happen. You know, fortunately, I was right enough to be able to pick, you know, 14 wins for Clemson. I was wrong on one. That's fine. But never think that you can't lose. And we'll be fine. Of course, none of us put on pads. Nothing that we say or think will change anything that happens on the field. But, you know, just as far as a fan base, I think Clemson is one of the most classy fan bases out there. Uh, and we want to stick to that. We want to keep being that way. We want to lose the class. I've done nothing but congratulate uh, LSU fans. I've done nothing but just be very respectful of that. I watched to the last second all the interviews, to all the you know trophy announcements. I did all that because I did that for us. Why wouldn't you you know you know savor and understand that it was just somebody else's time? So why not? But um, you know. I'm really happy for the 2020 season. Can't wait to get that kicked off. But folks, with that said, uh, this is the end of the show. We're going to talk to you guys really quick about some of the changes that we're going to be doing with 4th and 16. First and foremost, we're going to start having call-ins. We're going to try to do a live show where you guys can call in and talk to me about whatever you're talking about with college football. We're going to talk a little bit more pro football as well. Um, I'm going to dabble into some baseball and football. I really don't uh, – basketball. I really don't want to do too much of that. Uh, I'll admit to you that's not really my will pin, but at the same time, I want to make sure to acknowledge all Clemson sports. Can't really wait to get into the softball stuff too. That's going to be really cool, especially the fact that Clemson's never had a softball team. We're going to get it, you know, really kicking with that. Super excited about that. But we're going to do that. We're going to make sure we have a live show. I'll get you guys up to more details with that when it goes forward. We're also going to start doing live video. Uh, I have partnered with Pronk Studios. Uh, we're going to come out and start doing some cool things there. We're going to do some live video conversations. Uh, with sports. So we're going to be on YouTube, we're going to be on Facebook, we're going to get all the social media back up and running. Of course, Twitter is the mainstay of what we're going to do. And then we're also going to still do the game plan as it goes. Uh, of course, that is a season type thing. So that'll be later in the year of 2020. But uh, we're going to start doing everything. We're going to start uh, interviewing more people. I'm going to start having more guests. I'm going to start, like I said, having you guys come on and talk with me. Uh, I, I like doing the idea of the mailbag thing where you can leave a voicemail if you can't call in. Uh, you can call into my Audible link. I'll make sure to uh, get you guys up to speed with that too. Uh, you can just call in and uh, leave your voice message. You can actually do it from the app right on your phone. You can actually just leave me a message, any question or any statement you have to say, something you just want to get off on your chest. Uh, you can be able to do that. I can include that in the show. Uh, we're going to rock and roll uh, this thing. We're also going to start doing some more uh, insider type stuff. I'm going to get more in depth uh, with some insider type things, but that'll be like a Patreon type deal. Uh, you can support me. I'm not going to have some kind of crazy or oh, support me for $200. I understand it's harder and money, money that you guys have that you don't really, sometimes you can't part with it. But uh, if you see fit to be able to support me, I'll make sure you guys get those insider content things that we're going to be doing uh, as far as Patreon and maybe some other type things. But again, we're going to be doing YouTube, phone calls, all kind of cool stuff. Get ready for it. You guys are going to be more involved than ever. Uh, and I'm also going to try to go out and get some really cool interviewers, uh, interviewees, actually. Uh, but, folks, I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Uh, it's been a great year. I'm looking forward to 2020. With that said, it's great to be a Clemson Tiger. Any day, every day, win or lose. Hope you guys have a great year, and I'll see you later on.